Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
afternoon, everybody. This is our Monday night broadcast of Prayer International Radio, broadcasting live from Plano, Texas. I am your host for the night, Sean Holmberg. We may be joined a little bit later by Chris Herzog. Um, so Christmas week, a couple days away. Um, oh, Father God. Lord, tonight, Father, I ask that you would fill the homes and businesses of every person who is listening. Father, tonight we set aside this small part of our nights and evenings, Lord, desiring above all to seek your face. Holy Spirit, that you would take your word and bring it to life as your word declares that your word would dwell in us that we would be rooted and grounded in love Father that we would know the love of Christ which passes knowledge Lord that we can receive from you tonight Father Lord, that you would take out the stony heart and give us a heart of flesh, Lord. Give us a heart, Father, that desires your word. Give us a heart that desires your presence. Give us a heart that desires to hear your voice, Lord. Father, give us a heart that cries out for the nations of the earth in these times, Father, to declare the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ to all men. Lord, give us boldness to speak. Father, to our families, to our friends, to our neighbors, to anybody we come in contact with, to the people at the gas station. Lord, give us boldness to proclaim your name to the nations, to proclaim your goodness, to proclaim your favor, to proclaim your grace, to proclaim the death and the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, right now, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that you would pour an anointing over everybody listening. Father, you said you gave gifts to men, Father. Lord, I pray that you just pour, as they would say in churches, a double anointing on everybody listening, Father. But above an anointing, Father, Lord, I ask that you would begin to reveal yourself to every person who's listening. Daddy, that you would show them who you are, Father. Lord, that you would set aside every misconception, Father, every delusion in all of our lives and our hearts about who you are, Father, and re reveal your true nature to us. Lord, have your word. Have its way in our own lives, Lord. We surrender our hearts, Father. We surrender our lives. We surrender our decisions to you, Father. We take all of our cares, all of our worries, all of our pains, all of our fears, all of our doubts, all of our disbelief, Father, and we lay it before your cross, knowing your word that says that you care for us, knowing your word that declares that you have a plan and a purpose for us. Give us 
a future and a hope to bless us, to bring us into a place flowing with milk and honey. Lord, to bring us into a blessing. Lord, reveal to us the blessings that you've already poured out into our lives. Lord, reveal to us the favor and the authority we already have in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, you declared that all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You said that we are citizens in heaven. No longer strangers and foreigners. No longer children carried to and fro on every wind of doctrine. Father, today we choose to stand grounded upon your word, Lord. Father, we repent from all of our sins, Lord. Everything in our lives that comes short of the mark of perfection. Father, and we yield ourselves to your grace. We yield ourselves to your grace, Lord. Father, if anybody out there, Lord, is hearing, Father, if they need a touch of me, Father, Lord, I pray that you would tonight work in them, Lord. Show yourself strong in them, Father. Be their strength. Be their shelter. Be their security. Be their fortress in whatever place they find themselves in. Lord, Every heal every sickness, Father, tonight. Father, heal every disease. We thank you, Jesus, for your blood that was shed for them. We thank you for your word. And Father, Jesus, tonight we choose to stand upon your word and agree upon your word for their healing that your name would be glorified in our midst. Lord, we don't ask just so we can say we have anything, Father, because we know in the end all we really have is you. When it's all said and done, and the heavens and the earth vanish, the only thing we have left, the only testimony we have left is you. As David said, you have become our exceeding great reward. The reason for our being, the reason for our existence, the reason for everything. So um, we're going to get into the scriptures in just a little bit. Um, and then I want you to mark your calendars um, two weeks from Saturday, which is going to be December the 4th, the Saturday night at 7 o'clock Central Standard Time. I don't know what that equates to wherever you're at in the world. Um, but we're going to be broadcasting live um, from our church. Um, we have an amazing worship band. Um, um loves the Lord, loves the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to have a night of worship at our church, and I'm going to broadcast it live. You know, I found that um, there's two things in this world that can change your life. One is the Word of God, and the other is the presence of God. And they coexist. And we need both of them. We need to continually be in his word. 
continually be in his word, continually be hearing the word of God, to have the word of God dwell in us. Why, if you ask, it's because if you don't have his word dwelling in you, you'll have someone else's. If you don't have the word of God dwelling in you, there will be someone else's word. Whether it's the words of the world, the words of the enemy. And what we need, even more so as time draws near, is to have his word dwelling in us. Becoming alive in us, becoming a fountain of living water inside of us. The second thing we need is his presence. More than... Almost anything else, we need to have his presence. It's the presence of God where you find the peace. It says there is peace in the presence of the Lord. The scripture talks about having joy inexpressible and full of glory, which comes from his word. It comes from his presence. Giving you that indwelling peace where you're standing upon a rock, which is him, not easily moved, not easily shaken, not easily cast about by various doctrines and whatever else the new thing that comes up is. I heard a preacher say once that there's only so many things you can explain to people, especially Christians. And he was talking to Christians, and he said, because anything that they don't already know They'll run with it and turn it into an entire doctrine. And while that may sound weird for him to say that, it's true. Um, we as humans have a sh have uh, many flaws, but one of the flaws being is always wanting to run with whatever is the most exciting. Not always seeing that whatever is the most exciting may not be the thing that has the most impact. And we so easily get carried away with this thing or that thing, and we get our attention drawn so easily. I equate, um, and I said this before, I believe, I equate the Christian walk to, like, um, The Wizard of Oz, if you've seen that show, and Dorothy and the Scarecrow and the Tin Man and all them following this yellow brick road to see the wizard. In this case, us following this road, this path of righteousness, which the Scripture already declares that there's few who find it. And we're walking on this road, this path, whichever path we're on, that leads us to him. And we so easily get distracted by this thing or that thing. And the second we get distracted and we turn our focus away from Jesus, we turn our focus away from his word, we turn our focus away from his voice, then we start moving off that path. Be to God that he's gracious and long-suffering, that he's patient with his children, Correcting us as a father would correct us, not out of spite or hate, but out of love, out of a deep love for us, to continually see us into the place of his blessing. That's why it says in the Old Testament, he told Joshua, he said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And why did he say that? Was it just to create some, like, structure? Well, maybe a little bit. But if you think about it, 
do not turn to the right or left, for then you'll make your be prosperous and you'll have good success. Often in the Christian walk, we talk about um, about the Bible being a blueprint, being the owner's manual for our lives. And, you know, with the enemy in the world and the media always telling everybody who they are and what they are and what we should be and what we should look like and how we should talk and, you know, it's things that a hundred years ago may not have been acceptable or now acceptable to the world, um, which should concern us in our prayers, but in our walks of the Lord and the things that we believe and the things that we hold on to, it shouldn't phase us. Um, the scripture plainly says, and um, multitude of occasions that, um, you know, the world hates us. It says it plain and simple. The world hates us. It says the world can't understand the things of God. And it says we're not of the world. And not being not of the world, it's hard for us to understand. The world can be blind. But at the same time, it's hard for the world to understand how we can see such light and such love in the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it's beyond their comprehension until the light of the gospel shines into their hearts and removes the chains of darkness. So it removes the blindness that's over their eyes and the blindness is over their hearts where they can see. Until then, there's no way they can possibly understand the grace that we have. And so we've been talking um, off and on for like the last week and a half um, in Colossians, and we're going to pick some of that up. Um, And so I'll just start here. Um, We're in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. I believe that's where we left off. And Paul said, For it pleased the Father that in him, Christ, all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. It pleased the Father. It's a um, powerful, amazing thought um, that the Father was pleased. And what happened on the cross? We don't talk about it like that. We consider it to be the most horrible thing that could happen, and it was. Joy that came out of that act of obedience was this eternal salvation for the children of God, those who had been lost to the enemy, which was all of us. And through the blood of his cross, we have peace with God, no longer enemies. As the scripture declares, we have boldness to enter the throne of grace in which we are accepted in a time of need. It said, he has made peace between us and the Father, something we can never obtain on our own. We would have always been strangers. We would have always been foreigners. We would have always been outcasts. But like a father, welcoming us back into the kingdom, giving us life eternal. It says, in you, and this is verse 21, you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death 
to present you holy. And I just want to stop and go back a little bit. It says, you who were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. You know, the scripture declares um, in Second Corinthians uh, chapter 10, Paul said, um, we walk in verse 3, he says, we walk not in the flesh, and we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, not physical, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And what are the strongholds? It says in verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the, be to the obedience of Christ. You know, there's this constant battle going on in our mind, going on in our perception. Um, as many of our longtime listeners know, I, I love um, reading works from old philosophers. Um, men who sat around and just tried to figure out the universe. I heard someone say once um, that the scariest thing for a man is to lock himself in the closet and to turn off the radio, turn off the television, and sit in silence because it's a scary thing for a man because it causes him to come face-to-face -face with eternity in a way. Um, because when you get rid of all the voices, all the distractions, all that you're left with is him. And, you know, having time to just think and to dwell upon the universe, to dwell upon his grace and his goodness, to dwell upon who he really is. And with only so many minutes in the day, only so many hours, only so much time in the span of our short lives that we have to actually dedicate to the Lord, to give unto him, to actually increase our understanding and our knowledge of him between now and the day that we stand before him. And the enemy, you know, he doesn't have to do anything to us if he can just change our perspective. Uh, a wise man once said that men are, his name was Epeticus, and he said men are not, um, or what is it, men are not um, concerned by the things they, or what is it, hold on. See, now I'm completely um, lost on it. Um, Oh, yeah, men aren't disturbed by things, but by the view they take of them. Sorry about that. Um, we're not disturbed by things, but by the view we take of them. And, you know, the Christian life is like that. With all the things that come up in our lives, um, it's so easy to be disturbed by things, whether it's work or enemies or whatever it is. But it's our view on the things around us is the view on our lives which is what changes. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You know, there's a story in the Old Testament with Elijah, or Elisha, um, and he's with this one person, and the, the armies of the enemy are coming before them, and this guy's with Elijah, and he's freaking out, and he's like, we're going to die. We're always going to die. Why is the Christians always, the first thing that comes to their head when the enemy approaches is that the world has come to an end? And you know, we don't change much because it happened back in the Old Testament and it happens even to the disciples in the boat with Jesus when there's the waves and the storm and Jesus is peacefully sleeping on the boat and they're freaking out because it's like, there's a storm, we're all going to die. Aren't you going to do anything, oh God? Are you just going to leave us here to die? And how is it that we still have no faith? How is it we can trust 
God with our eternal salvation. Things we cannot possibly comprehend, but we can't trust Him with the day-to-day affairs of our lives without completely freaking out on the Lord and losing trust and faith in Him. Um, it's much harder for Him to forgive us of our sins and give us eternal life than just to calm the winds that come up around us. And, you know, um, it says, And you once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. You know, one of the things that we need to understand and believe and we need to repeat to ourselves five million thousand times a day is that we are presented holy before the Father, that all the shame and the disgrace of our past is gone. It's wiped away under the blood of Jesus. He says he has forever perfected those who are being sanctified. Already, right now, we are already considered accepted to the Father. It says, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, and which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. You know, Paul said um, in the book of Galatians, he said, um, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And he goes on to say, I marvel, Paul, who's seen so many things, um, says he marvels. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, and I say again now, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what we have preached, let him be accursed. And he said, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For I, if I still please men, I would not be called a bondservant of Christ. But I made known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me, it came not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism on many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly jealous, zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. You know, Paul had seen everything. Um, he fought against the church. And then the Lord Jesus showed up, and his eyes were open. And at that moment, it didn't matter what men said anymore. It mattered what the Father said. And 
you know, we talk about other gospels. And when we say other gospels, what is other gospel? Anything contrary to what the scripture says about him. That he was born of a virgin, crucified on the cross for the sins of the world, resurrected from the dead. That there is no other name given among men by which we must be saved except for the name of Jesus Christ. No other name given among men except the name of Jesus Christ. He said, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now then, so what do we make of these things? Um, no other name given among men except for the Son of God. And if someone comes up with a gospel that declares, well, you know, Jesus was a good man. He taught really good. And you equate, and then they equate him to someone like Buddha or Gandhi or Muhammad or anybody else. Well, it's another gospel because you can't take away from the work which he's already done and declare it to be the same thing. There's no other way except for him. And, you know, people may not understand that. They may not accept that. They may not want to accept it for whatever reason. You know, the scripture says in the book of John, it says men don't come to the light because they're afraid their deeds will be exposed. Um, and the heart of man, all men, is exceedingly wicked. But so many things they do in ignorance. The scripture said, had they had known who he was, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. If all those people who were there at the crucifixion of Jesus, the soldiers and the um, and Pontius Pilate and all those people, if they would have known, really believed in who he was, there's no way they would have crucified him. But the truth is their eyes were blinded so scripture could be fulfilled so that he could die upon the cross. When he was in the garden, and they came at him with swords, he could have easily gotten away. He could have called legions of angels to his side, but he didn't, because he knew what was on the other side of his obedience to the Father. He knew that the salvation of the world was on the other side of that cross. My church um, had this um, service on Sunday, and they had a uh, they had gathered a bunch of food to give out to um, needy people in the neighborhood. And I had a chance to talk to this man who showed up, and I had never seen him before. And um, and we started talking about the Lord, and he's an older gentleman, and um, but you could just see in his eyes his desire and passion for the Lord Jesus and how much he wanted the Lord to still use him. And, you know, over time, we all start to have doubts and we all start to have fears and we all want to know that we're actually making a difference. And if I can um, go off our uh, subject um, of Colossians for a minute, and just talk a second about obedience to the Lord. 
you know, there's always a blessing on the other side of your obedience, even if you can't see what the blessing is. Because a blessing may not always be for you, but it may come through you. Go back into Genesis. The Lord tells Abraham to sacrifice his son on an altar. And you have to understand Abraham. We all know the stories that God called Abraham and said, leave this country, leave everything behind and come follow me and I'll take you to a nation of your own. He said, look up and count the stars. I'll give you an inheritance. I'll give you, your descendants will be more than the stars of the sky, of the sands of the beach. And he, he just promises him things that he could no, no, I could not possibly comprehend. The Bible said he trusted the Lord. He just believed him. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he didn't doubt that he who made the promise could fulfill the word. The scripture says that he will complete the work he started until the day of Christ. Paul said, I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him. You started a good work, we'll finish it. And so Abraham, who had this promise from the Lord for his descendants, that all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him, now has the promise in his hand. This is the son. This is, after everything he had gone through, this is the promise. He gets to see it. He's getting to live this promise that God had given him, getting to see his son. And all these promises that God made Abraham knew was going to come through this, through this son. And all of a sudden, God's like, take your son, sacrifice him upon the altar. And Abraham has a choice to make. Does he continue to trust God at this point? Or does he say, no way, Lord, there's no way I'm sacrificing my son. What are you, crazy? This is the promise you gave me. I'm not giving it up now. But he didn't. Because something inside of him, this faith that was inside of him, rose up and said, he can do anything. Whatever he declared, he can fulfill. And if you read the rest of the story, um, Abraham goes, he gets to the point of sacrificing his son, and an angel stops him, and he says, now I know that you'll do I know you were willing to do it because you were not willing to spare your own son. Something people will say, well, you wouldn't know what the, God wouldn't know what that's like, but God does know what it's like because he sacrificed his own son from the foundation of the world. But Abraham had a choice to believe God or not, to trust God or not. And, you know, sometimes it's not as big as sacrificing your dream and your vision, but sometimes it comes to that. Sometimes the Lord will ask you to do things that go contrary to what your mind says should be done. He asks you to move places or talk to people or do all sorts of things, and you don't actually, you can't actually figure it out. You can't piece it out because you can't see what's on the other side of your obedience. You know, the Bible says Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him, and he could see what was on the other side. But we 
can't always see what's on the other side. And we're left like Abraham, trusting the Lord. And through his obedience, all the nations on the earth would be blessed. Through his lineage, the Lord Jesus Christ was born. But he couldn't see what was going to happen 2,000 or however many thousand years later. But he knew God could fulfill his promise to him. And sometimes you have to, when all else fails, the scripture says when you've done all to stand, stand. When you've done all to stand, you stand before him. As uh, someone said this last week, he, they said, regardless of what situation you're in, regardless of what you're struggling with, regardless of what excuses are going on in your life that may or may not be preventing you from being in the place that you think you need to be, whatever hardships, whatever fights, whatever obstacles and mountains are in front of you, sometimes all you need to do is not try to figure out how the Lord's going to get you out of the situation. It's enough to know that he can get you out of the situation, that he knows the way out of the situation. Sometimes all you need to do is come before him and just rest. Rest knowing who he is. Rest knowing that his word is true. And let him bring you peace. Let him bring you joy. Let him bring you understanding. And sometimes when you don't even have understanding, all you need is peace. To know that he's saying to you, it's going to be okay. Him saying, I can do this. And believe the Lord. That he's going to finish what he started in your life. And I'm saying that over everybody listening today. Regardless of where you're at, regardless of what your situation is, it doesn't matter what it's been like. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. It doesn't matter what obstacle it is that's in front of you. He is able to complete that which he started in you, and his word is not void. He said, my word does not return to me void, but it will accomplish that for which I sent it. The Lord will get you to the place of your blessing. He'll get you to the place where he called you. And all you have to do is trust him for it. All you have to do is believe him for it. All you got to do is put your hands up and praise him and thank him for who he is. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Jehovah Rohe, our healer. I would go through the rest of them, but at the moment I don't remember them. But trusting the Lord to do everything he said he was going to do. So we're going to Take a quick break, and we'll be right back. My heart 
is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.